Blog Talk Radio. Again, it's called the Purple Angel Project, 
and all it is is a symbol for dementia. A uh, purple angel with a globe. Uh, you can go to alzheimerspeaks.com. Click on our About page, and there you'll see a tab for the Purple Angel. All you have to do is read a short little poster that gives you some basic information that Norms, who he himself is living with dementia, designed, and um, and then you're free to use this symbol. We want this symbol to be as well-known as and as accepted as the pink ribbon for breast cancer, and there's absolutely no reason we cannot be that force. Um, if you are looking for uh, an Alzheimer's Association anywhere in the world, I suggest you go to the Alzheimer's Disease uh, International um, site. Again, that's ADI or Alzheimer's Disease International. They are the association of all associations around the world. So not only will you be able to find the closest association to you, but you will also be able to get global information that will help you uh, deal with this disease. Love to always give a shout out to my friends at Healthstar Home Health who are making um, a huge impact here in Minnesota uh, with their Alzheimer's Whisperer program uh, to not only help their staff deal with those dealing with dementia, but to help the families that they care uh, <clears throat> that they that they work and care for as well um, learn new skills and new ways in terms of living with dementia. The Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation is a great place to go if you're really looking for a more holistic approach. So if you're looking at diet, exercise, meditation, they have great information and resources. In fact, uh, there was just on the blog, uh, they just did an um, article regarding um, food and portion size. And then many people are dealing with specific types of dementia, and a couple of the most common symptoms are Lewy body, uh, frontal temporal lobe, and aphasia. And each of those has its own national site. And so if you're dealing with, with Lewy body or frontal temporal lobe dementia or you have issues with aphasia, check those sites out because I think they will really be um, helpful and supportive. And remember, a lot of these groups have groups on Facebook Facebook as well, where you can connect with other people with the disease and caregivers and professionals alike. Um, many people have poo-pooed these uh, social media sites, but I'm here to tell you they are making a huge, huge difference in so many people's lives. From a engagement and just living life um, piece, um, a couple of sites I'd like to recommend are Puzzle With Me. A lot of people like to play puzzles, but there's too many pieces and they're too small. And so Puzzle With Me is designed a puzzle specifically for those dealing with dementia. Fewer pieces, more age-appropriate pictures, and larger uh, puzzle sizes uh, to be able to work with. Jiminy Wicket is a intergenerational croquet game that's uh, very fun to play, and this can be done with families. Um, it, people in wheelchairs can play this game, um, and you can also use it uh, on an educational basis. They'll come in and train students in schools to work with memory care, and uh, it's a pretty fascinating and fun project as a whole. Then we have... Um, 
with the holidays rolling up, Alzheimer's Music Connect, who is going to be launching just a fabulous holiday CD. And um, the formal launch has not happened yet, but it's coming, and um, I'll be rolling out information, letting you know about it. I've heard the music, and it's it's absolutely dynamite. So it's going to be a lot, a lot of fun. Um, to uh to have for for the holidays for everybody. So um I'm done kind of with my commercial piece there. Let's get on to the program here. Um I'm excited to have with us Karen Carl Truman, who is a PhD and she is the president and founder of the Dementia Caregiver Resources. Uh she has been on the Alzheimer's path since 1959 when her grandmother was placed into a nursing home. She then witnessed her own mother and several aunts and uncles also get stricken with the disease. She has been a presenter for professional attendees at national conferences um, regarding kind of the specifics um, of dementia as a whole and she has won the North American Mature Publishers Association Award for her monthly column called The Caregiver's Path. She has uh, a, a wonderful book out called The Dementia Caregiver's Little Book of Hope that has recently been added to the Alzheimer's and Dementia Resource book list uh, for the National Institute of Health. And Dr. Truman currently co-authors dementia-specific training man- manuals for national corporations, writes mandatory curriculum, and conducts long-term care staff training. Uh, she facilitates ongoing support groups, and she creates and moderates um, expert panels at various symposiums. So this is a woman who really understands this disease from the inside out. So welcome, Dr. Truman. How are you, how are you doing today? Wow, thank you. <laughs> that was a great introduction. I appreciate that so much. Um, it, it's a beautiful day here in Florida. <laughs> That's what I love. So um, thank you, and and I'm just so excited to be um, to you know be with you on the show today. Thank you. Well, I'm excited to have you here because your mission and your passion is to educate and support and provide resources to not only family but professional caregivers in um, a really compassionate and kind-hearted manner. And and that so aligns with um, who I am and what I do and, and why I do it. Um, I, I didn't have as many people in my family stricken with the disease um, mm-hmm. as you have. I had my mom and possibly my my grandma. We're, we're not really sure on that one. I always thought, you know, my mom said she kind of went crazy at the end, and I always thought it was the morphine from the cancer. But, you know, she, you mm. know, I was young, and, and I probably didn't know all the details, you know, with that. So, you know, it's just it's hard to hard to say. Do you do you worry, um, Dr. Truman, about getting the disease yourself? I know that that's something that a lot of people, you know, it's in the back of their mind. Once somebody in their family has it, it's like, what about me? Am I going to be next? Right, and, and that's a really, really important question, Lori. Um, a, a lot of my family members ask me that same question because they're worried about it for themselves. But um, my husband and I actually um, created um, one of the 
chapters in our book on prevention, um, and we we followed some some very good guidelines. And I think that by keeping so active um, mentally and physically, emotionally, we keep on top of our game, and and I think that really makes a difference. Um, we we've heard from. So many of our our caregivers that you know it, when when the when the loved one has to be placed in a facility and then they they really they they spend most of their days there if you will and and then they really go down from there and then as soon as the loved one passes away then they get it or they get something you know some other kind of illness or they fall and they break something and and it's kind of the end and you know I think that we need to make sure that they're they're breathing new life into a new part of a new chapter in their life and and I think that's a really important message so eating your blueberries and doing that you know sleeping enough and and getting your proper um, socialization is huge a lot of people isolate themselves and and you can't do that you just need to reach out like we're doing right now we're trying to reach Oops, are you there? Trying to, I'm here. Yes. You're oh, not hearing oh. me? Oh, it just uh, cut out I'm, for a second there. So, oh, I'm um, sorry. Okay. If you can, if you can talk about the reaching out again, that would be great. I, I think that what we're doing right now is reaching out um, to to you're reaching out to you know all of your listeners. My goodness, you have a beautiful message to relay, and and I you know and I think that people need to get out to these support groups. I have facilitated. Um, over 2,000 support groups since 1993, and and it just it's a huge part of my life and who I am. And people flock to my groups, you know. And it's it's amazing what we share and how much we learn from one another. And people listening to in the groups li- need to hear it from another caregiver who is their peer. You know, somebody who's a nurse might know the information, but they can't relate it in the same way because another caregiver, you know, we're walking the same path. We're walking in the same shoes, whereas a professional isn't in the same kind of shoes. So does that make sense? <laughs> oh, that that makes a ton of sense, and I think that's one yeah. of the reasons, like, the memory cafes are so effective because yes. it is a, it, it's building community it's it's um finding those liked mind um people who understand who accept who want to help um know they can't always fix it but that can be supportive and can just talk and express everyday emotions and i think sometimes that's what's missing with with not all professionals but i think with a lot of them, it, it, it is just academic information that's dispensed, kind of like a pill dispenser. And people people need that hug. You know, if it's a verbal yes. or a physical yes. hug, they, they yeah. need to know yeah. that somebody truly, truly gets it. And, and not everybody has that skill, you know, um, to, to be able to understand that. And, um, you right. know, I've, I've, I've been at um, conferences, and uh, one stands out, um, that kind of explains this and, and kind of shines a light on it. Um, and I was speaking, and there was a man at one of the front tables, and he was probably, I don't know, around 50, and he just broke down sobbing as I talked. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I was speaking on dementia, 
And so afterwards he came up and he said, I am so sorry. A, a friend actually ran out to the bathroom, grabbed a roll of toilet paper and came back. Oh, he was, just, he, was yeah. just, he was just beside himself. And he said, I am so sorry. He said, I've been in this business for 21 years. I've always given advice, he said, and I always thought I was good at my job. He said, but my dad has dementia now, and I've been doing things so wrong. I've been doing things so wrong. He said, I I didn't realize the importance of that compassion piece. Right. You know, it's not just disseminating information. So That's um, right. That's right. So yeah, it was it was just it's interesting. I'm sure you've got a ton of stories like that too, but let's go and you know, let's do a little backtracking here. Can you I know you've done some mm-hmm. investigation in terms of just the history of dementia, and that's not something that we talk about a whole heck of a lot. So, can you give us a little bit um our audience a little bit about the history of dementia? Absolutely. I'd love to. I'm actually um I have online courses um that are good in all 50 states and um, well, I'm, write, I'm writing this one actually for uh, down the road. It's not up yet, but down the road. But but the history is fascinating because um, it, the earliest that I have found in ancient texts was written about in ninth century BC in Egypt. <laughs> and I'm wow. like, wow. So they were really writing about it a long time ago. Um, the um, the other part of it that I, I, I'm just going to do some highlights here because there's so much. But um, um, bedlam. We've all heard the term bedlam. There's you know there's bedlam. Yep. Woohoo! Yeah. And Bethlehem, B-E-T-H-L-E-M, Royal Hospital is the original what they called bedlam. Um, and, and Shakespeare wrote about that in 1200. Well, actually, he wrote about it later. But Bethlehem Royal Hospital was founded in 1247 on the site in, in London of the Liverpool Station now. So wow. I thought, and people, yeah, that's what I thought. So it is the oldest, the world's oldest psychiatric establishment. Um, and, and in the late 19th century, as many as 96,000 people visited Bethlehem each year and paid to see the patients being exhibited on Sundays. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, I thought that was very interesting. Um, so they were a curiosity, if you will. Okay. Uh-huh. And, yeah, and then um, in the uh, 1600s, in um, English colonists in the Massachusetts, Connecticut, New York area, um, they they called this this disease uh, that disorder or Saint Vitus dance, and that was the Huntington's. They believe now that the Salem, some of the Salem witches actually had Huntington's disease, which caused them to act so bizarre. Oh. So, yeah, so I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, there is, um, there, I'm going to go over some of these. We're not going to go through all this, but um, Parkinson's, um, my mother-in-law actually has Parkinson's now, and um uh, to get it diagnosed was something else, but we finally did. And it, it's a very um, interesting disorder, to say the least. But Dr. James Parkinson wrote an essay um, in 
I believe it was, yeah, in 1817. I mean, that was a while ago. And Dr. Down, did you know with Down syndrome? Uh, Down syndrome, of course. Yeah, Down syndrome. There was a Dr. John Down. And uh, in 1866, he wrote the paper about Down, what is now considered Down syndrome. And Dr. Down, um, um, Down syndrome and Alzheimer's are on the same chromosome. So if, if a person has Down syndrome, their brains will age about 20 years ahead of ours. So supposedly most of them will develop Alzheimer's if they live long enough. So, Interesting. So here, yeah. here, here in Minnesota, they're going to be doing a study on Downs and, and Alzheimer's. Oh. And I oh, and we and we mm-hmm. did a show um, a while back because you know not too many people know that people with Down syndrome get mm-hmm. the disease, but it hits really really fast, and it yes. takes, and it kind of takes staff for a loop. And so I'm really excited that they're going to be doing this study here through the Alzheimer's uh, Research Foundation mm-hmm. at Regents Hospital. So Great. interesting, all of those, mm-hmm. uh, those little words and terms that we didn't know um, where right. they came from. That's right. And Dr. Louis, of course, you talked about Louis Body, um, and, and, and that is really the second most common form um, of dementia nowadays. Um, it is number two. Um, it's right. Alzheimer's is number one. Louis body is number two. And most of our doctors don't have a clue about it, unfortunately. So we really, the education of that is huge, you know. Um, I have had a lot of people had, had to have their loved ones Baker acted, which down here in Florida means that they had to be evaluated and sent out because they were acting out and acting they were a danger to themselves or to someone else. And um, a lot of them uh, were diagnosed after death with the brain bank program with Lewy body. And when they give them the psychiatric drugs that they give them in the hospitals um, under observation, those are actually contraindicated for oh. them. Yes. So it's it's a very and and I've had way too many that have because they weren't properly diagnosed that they were and they were sent out to the hospital they were given the psychiatric drugs it shuts down their entire system and they die really and they oh. die very yes with usually within a month it's very uh-huh. very fast yes so it's so it, my message is always always, always get a proper diagnosis. What would you want done if it was you? I always put that on my family members, you know. Do you want mm-hmm. you want the, your loved ones to just send you out and give you some Aricept and call the ba- doctor back in six months? I hope not. I want to find out what kind of dementia you have. You know, it's like saying I have cancer. Well, what's the first question you're going to ask me? What kind of cancer? So I always say, you know, you can't just say I have dementia because it's what kind of dementia. They're all treated differently. So, you know, that that's kind of that's my mission in life to make that clear. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> you know? that's wonderful. 
That's wonderful. <laughs> now, you know, we were it talking is. before we went live, mm-hmm. and you had heard that there yeah. was a, a new a new type yeah. of dementia. Can, can you yeah. tell our audience about that, please? Yes, I would be thrilled to do that. I just found this information. I just got this information, actually. Um, neuroscientists at the Mayo Clinic in Florida have defined a subtype of Alzheimer's disease that they say is neither well-recognized nor treated appropriately. The variant is called hippocampal, that's H-I-P-P-O-C-A-M-P-A-L, sparing, S-P-A-R-I-N-G-A-D, which is Alzheimer's disease. So it's a variant called hippocampal sparing AD, made up 11% of the 1,821 Alzheimer's-confirmed brains examined by the Florida Mayo Clinic researchers. So 11%. So they're saying that this is suggesting that this subtype is relatively widespread in the general population. Uh-huh. Um, so this could, and it says this could mean that well over 600,000 Americans have this variant. That's huge. Yeah, that's that's huge. huge. Now, it is huge. Now, it says that the patients are mostly male. They are afflicted at a much younger age, and their symptoms can be bizarre. They have behavioral problems such as frequent and sometimes profane, angry outbursts, feelings that their limbs do not belong to them and are controlled by an alien, unidentifiable force or visual disturbances. And they really decline at a much faster rate than than most people with the regular, the common form of Alzheimer's. um, their But their memories are normal. That's the key. They have memories that are near normal, so clinicians are often misdiagnosing them with a variety of conditions that that are not really correct. Uh huh. So they're, they're being misdiagnosed big time. So I thought, oh, oh isn't this interesting? Mm. Well, and I could see that happening really easily. Um, yeah. You know. With that, uh, with, with the types of symptoms, how that could be so so confusing with that's everything. That's right. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I said too. I said, "Wow." Um, it says um, many of these patients are diagnosed with frontotemporal dementia, a disorder characterized by changes in personality and social behavior, um, and and they're characterized by movement disorders and cognitive. Dif- dysfunction and language dysfunction is also um more common too. So um they're saying that they it's saying also that the patients um they have new evidence that suggests that the drugs that are now on the market could work in these uh these patients. So mm-hmm. you know that's a really important thing. So you know my message again is get a proper diagnosis. You know go to a memory disorder clinic. Um, I'm sure. I mean you have Mayo Clinic in in Minneapolis mm-hmm. in, in Minnesota. I mean I've been Correct. to that one. Um, I've been to the one down here. They're they're marvelous institutions and they're they're full of information that you might not get anywhere else. You know. So um, we have thirteen. 
13 memory disorder clinics right here in Florida, and I, they're all over the world. So, you know, I always tell people, you know, make sure you get to a memory disorder clinic. I don't care if you're in Germany or in France or in the United States. There's one near you, <laughs> Yeah, you know. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. yeah there, there really is. And, you know, mm-hmm. especially nowadays, um, and they're working together much better than they used to um, as well, which is, which <laughs> okay. is nice. That you know. is good. Yes, <laughs> very so, good. Oh. But uh, so, I, we still have a, we still have a long ways to go. But it's I, you know I've seen a lot more cooperation than I have in the past. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. you know, be, between mm-hmm. clinics and things. So wonderful. Yes. Well, why don't why don't we talk a little bit about um, you know the feelings that people have with this disease um you know I, both as a, as a, as a patient and as a caregiver i i know the sadness sometimes can be overwhelming can you speak to that a little bit well i can speak to that yes um my my family's um they're very very frustrated they're very confused um you know they come into the group and sometimes all they do is cry just like your 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 gentleman that came to your talk you know and i had one man who was a new york city detective and he they retired here to florida and for the first 2 years of him attending the support group all he could do was sit there and cry that's mm-hmm. what he did he listened he listened to everything that was being said, but he would have the, you know, he, he would constantly, he every meeting he would cry, but he attended every meeting. He never, he never missed. He still doesn't miss, even though his wife passed a few months ago. Um, mm-hmm. He still doesn't miss, and now he's a good, he is so good with other folks. He has made it his mission to go visit people when they're sick or when they need a little shoulder or, you know, he he knows he doesn't have a lot of answers, but he knows what he's been through. And and Mm -hmm. that's what I think bringing the community together is so important to do. Um, My families have, you know, we've gone on cruises together. We've gone to see Dr. Peter Rabins last year. We all went to Orlando. We saw Naomi File, you know, wrote the book on the validation theory. Um, She was amazing. She's 80-something years old, and she does these all-day seminars. She was just amazing. Um, I take, you know, I've taken groups for 20 years we've been to las vegas we've been to st augustine we we just we do things together as a group and it's fun and we learn and we have special seminars and and we just i i put together symposiums and people it's the education piece is key education and knowing there's another one out there that's just like you there's actually thousands of you out there um your your journey is a little bit different but they're all very similar um and we we need each other on this journey so you know that's my message to just keep finding each other keep going to things you know you'll click with certain things and certain things you're going to say what the heck did i do that for but you got to keep going out there and finding it you know finding the information because i think it's so important um and eventually some of this is really going to make an impact and then you're going to share that with your family members that need to hear it um in in dear abby this morning i i know that a lot of people you know it's a national thing 
and it's and it's age the title is aging caregiver must find respite time for herself um because it's literally killing her and and I know that the promise you know a lot of our caregivers have made the promise but that was when they were young and healthy um you're still the primary caregiver if you put your loved ones in a facility but you're at least you're going to take care they wouldn't want you to wear out before they do they wouldn't want that so i always make sure that people understand that you know does that help a little bit yeah and i i think even just the phrase of wearing out you know because uh, oh. you know you you hear how many uh, caregivers, you know, get very ill or or die. And, again, it's yeah. not as a scare tactic. It, it's a reality, you know, That's out right. there. And, and people have to understand the reality um, of of caring for somebody and having that balance and, and um you know, living living as well as we can with the disease, um, within our own limitations. And um, I know when I was caring for my mom, I and I didn't think I had any limitations. And then you know, I just about had a ner- had a nervous breakdown between mm-hmm. caring for her, my dad, my child, my house, my you know, volunteered, worked full time. I mean, I gave up nothing. I just kept adding and adding and adding. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes you have to step back and go. Okay, really, Superman is a cartoon character. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you know, and we don't we don't even realize it because we want to do so much out of love. But you have to have you have to have balance, and you have to care for yourself. And I, I, you know, I thank my girlfriends a zillion times over for for literally, you know, say I think saving my life because they didn't give up on me and you know, I wouldn't even take the time to meet them for coffee and then the day I did, you know, I told them I'd give them 10 minutes or 15 minutes. Like I like I could, was a big gift to them or something, you know, and and then um I stayed for 2 hours cuz I was so structured on my time and I didn't realize how depleted I had gotten until I met with them and then every week for two hours we'd meet for coffee and that that just filled me and um, just allowed me to care better and so that stuff's really really important much more important than we than we give it credit for um, you know with it so if someone is interested in in keeping their loved one at home what kinds of resources would you recommend oh boy (laughs) Um, there are so many, re- you know, our area is rich in resources, but the very, very first thing and most important thing I tell my caregivers is to call the senior helpline. It is There is a senior helpline affiliated with the Area Agency on Aging in every county in America, okay? So, um, you know, we're in Pinellas County, Florida. Um, in Florida, I think we have 67 counties. So every county here is certain. All over the United States, there there's an agency there to serve you. They can help you with different resources and to get on wait lists. Um, there might be a wait list for a Meals on Wheels program or um, the, the um, uh, adult daycare or Medicare help. You know, some of my mm-hmm. people need extra help in just paying for Medicare and or they can get on community Medicaid 
Do they need their legal papers done? Um, that's another huge issue. One of the first questions I ask, have you, do you have your durable power of attorney? Do you have your health care surrogate? Do you have your living will? Do you have a trust if you need it? Do you, do you have all those papers in order? Do you, are they current? I, have, I had a man who, um, who had, oh, yeah, all my stuff is good. Okay. Um, so, you know, when the t- when um, when we looked at him, he showed him to me, and I'm like, well, who is this person? I've never seen that name before. And he says, oops. Um, he had listed in a will, in his will, his ex-wife. It wasn't mm-hmm. his current wife that he'd been married to for 25 years. You oops. know, it was, oops, yeah. And then he still had <laughs> her on his, on his financial stuff. He still had the ex-wife listed as getting the benefit of the bonds and the and the, the stocks and the financial. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And he's like, oh. And I said, mm-hmm, yeah, it's real current. <laughs> you know? Well, and it's, very, it's very, very common because people mm-hmm. are – so mm-hmm. opposed to dealing with these things. Once yes. they've done it, they think it's done forever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's, it's it hard, is- you know. Yeah, so I really, that's one of my first things. I work very closely uh, with, with an elder law attorney. I have for 20-some years, um, and, and I know that they know this stuff inside and out and, and can help with things. They'll give a free consultation. You know, you don't have to do anything. I'm just saying get your affairs in order, at least look at it. And the other thing I tell people was somebody a veteran. That is another huge source, but you can't go to the the veterans hospital or this you need to go to the county you live in the county has a veteran service office whatever county it is in america there's a veteran service office that covers it and that's going to be your best source of getting the aid and attendance or, or other resources financial that you may need or be eligible for even under if your husband passed away and he was the one that was in the service um, you can get there might be widow benefits available, and people you know even even my mother in law we you know they they took her to the local v a hospital when when her husband passed away and and said, "Oh no, there's nothing here for well, there wasn't under that program, but under the other program there was, and until we moved her here to Florida, she didn't get the benefits, and she missed out on ten years of benefits that she was eligible for. And it adds up to a lot of money. Yeah. You know. Oh, yeah. So, um, and money is a big deal for most of our caregivers because they just don't have enough, or the or the or the the um, the children are struggling with their own. You know, we're the sandwich generation, like you, and mm-hmm. and you know, and we're just struggling with our own, making sure we have enough for everybody, or saving for your children's college funds, or whatever it is. I just read a statistic in the paper the other day that um, the average uh, adult child caregiver puts out over $5,000 a year toward their elderly parents' care. Oh, and, yeah. and that's outside of a nursing. I mean, that's just in general, you know, taking them to the doctor, taking time off of work, um, putting gas in the car, oh, going out to eat. You know, it's just those kind of things that really add up. So, 
you know, very, very important to get those uh, things um, addressed with the senior helpline. So that's what I would start doing with the Area Agency on Aging. That would be my first call, okay? Okay. Well, wonderful. Okay. That's that's all great, great information. And, you know, it's so confusing because there's so many places to tap into. You just don't mm-hmm. even know where to start. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just, it's it gets so overwhelming. Um your book is just loaded with such great information. It's it's really a nice I haven't brought this to my memory cafe yet and I know I won't get it back. <laughs> it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna make the rounds. Um but it's mm-hmm. you know, her her book is called The Dementia Caregiver's Little Book of Hope and it's um Hope Help Heart and Light Grow Love, a guide for the pathless path. Um and it's it's so easy. I mean, you it it's so loaded with information, but it's it's bigger print. It's nice contrast. It's got big headers, so you know exactly what it is um, you're you're looking at, and you've you've touched from high to low um, in this in terms of the disease. So um, it it really is uh, something that I. I recommend people get. I, I think you're going to be amazed at the information um, from, you know, what is the disease, what can you expect, um, different symptoms, and then and then the resources, you know, um, safety mm-hmm. and hidden dangers. You just talk about getting knives out of the way and unplugging appliances and making sure the, the water heater's thermostat is set low and, you know, checking on the food and the garbage disposals and medications. I mean, it's just all these simple little things that you just wouldn't know to do. Um, you've got in here Project Lifesaver, and we just had them on the radio. We did a two-hour program yeah. with them, which was mm-hmm. absolutely fabulous. You have information on, you know, kind of roles reversing and driving with dementia. You know, when should I stop driving? Um you know, why don't you talk a little bit about that, driving with dementia, if you don't mind, because um, you, you have some information here. You say, ask the doctor to write a prescription that says, mm-hmm. I should stop driving. Um, can you talk on, on why you think that that's important? Well, <laughs> well I live in Florida. <laughs> Do I have to say any more? No. Um, but, and people come down here from all over the world, you know, and they drive, and they really shouldn't be. No, there's, we've had, we have had um, a lot of people that, that um, have had to tr- use trickery, if you will, to get their loved ones to stop driving. And then others just willingly give up their keys because they know that they're getting in trouble. Um, but, you know, just I, I have to tell you that I cannot tell you how many I have had that have ended up. We had had two within the last couple of years that have ended up drowning because they ran off a bridge um, oh. because they couldn't. Fit. Yeah, and we've had 11 deaths. Just and these aren't from our dementia, but they're you know I don't know if you've read the national headlines, but our wrong way drivers on the highway and in, in mostly in Tampa on 275, and we've had 11 people turn around on the interstate and then go the wrong way, 
And, uh-huh. and this is like, you know, and we've had that happen over and over with our, we had a gentleman not too long ago that, that hit somebody, didn't even realize he had hit the person, and the person was coming through his front windshield. I mean, there's just so much going on down here, I can't even begin to tell you. So one of the things that we do is we make sure that USF has a wonderful memory disorder clinic, and they have a driving simulator. Um, it looks like you're, I mean, I sat in it, and I was like, oh, my gosh, you feel like you're on a real road driving. And they will test your ability to see all the little things that you're supposed to see. It's much different from a over 55 Alive course. You know, this is, uh-huh. this is the real, like the real thing. Um, and, and they do a fabulous job with that. Um, I also have talked to many doctors. We can report to Tallahassee, to the Department of Motor Vehicles. We can report uh, somebody that, that we feel anonymously. We can do it anonymously if we feel like somebody should not be driving or, you know, get that license plate number of somebody, and they will send a letter to have them come back in and be retested. Um, mm-hmm. I tell families to go to the hardware store and get a key that looks like the key for the car, but it won't turn the motor on. You know, mm-hmm. or, or they have to do, you know, they have to take the battery uh, cable off or something. There's a lot of little things that we can do to make that. You know, is it, it, and the other, the thing that I say every single time, would you put your child, your grandchild, or somebody else in the front seat with that driver? If you would not, why would you endanger somebody else's life? Uh-huh. So that's. Okay, that's the key that gets them going every time. <laughs> They're like, "Oh, I never thought of that." Well, you're endangering all of us, you know, by having allowing that person to keep driving when they shouldn't. Or, or the one has um, the the husband, let's say, has macular degeneration, and the wife tells them where to turn or what to look for. No, <laughs> we have yeah. too many. You know, we have too many other opportunities for for um, um, transportation down here, that, and I'm sure in different places, if you seek them out, that's where that area agency on aging can be your big friend because they can help you with all of those kind of resources when you can't do it anymore for yourself. Really uh-huh. important. Okay. Wow. Does that help? Yeah. 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 De- definitely, definitely does. Um, Good. How- do you have some recommendations for family meetings? That's always a tough one because it always seems like there's one person in the family that plays a bigger role, and there's some resentment mm-hmm. and, and stuff. Oh. How do you how do you how do you recommend people deal with that? I, I you know the family meeting is a big deal, and 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 I think what what I often like to do is make sure that that person has a proper diagnosis. Here we go again. Make sure you have that sheet of paper, black and white, that says this person has, and whatever the dementia may be, whether it's Alzheimer's or Parkinson's or Lewy body or uh, P- I've had how many PSPs lately? I'm like progressive supranuclear palsy. Really? I'm getting those, you know, and that's really rare. But, you know, Huntington's disease. I was the social worker for the whole state of Florida for Huntington's disease. It's huge. Um, you know, so how do you get them to um, to a meeting? You need to have that piece of paper that says this is what the memory disorder clinic or the doctor has diagnosed 
mom or dad or whoever it is, with this disease process. And these are some things that we really need to talk about as a family. What are mom and dad's wishes? How, you know, who, And maybe sometimes we have to get a mediator in there like me or, or a social worker or a hospice social worker, um, somebody, you know, somebody, uh, a trusted family friend that, that's really good at this kind of stuff, maybe a clergy member. Um, there's a lot of different avenues if you need to bring in the big guns, if you will. Um, you know, and do it where there's no children around because children, a lot of times, they want to, you want them around, but you don't want them in the actual meeting because they're going to be disruptive. So or maybe you have to Skype everybody in. We've had a lot of families that have Skyped, and, and now they're doing it on a regular basis because they want, they want you want to see the faces of everybody and how they're reacting to certain things, I think that's huge um, because when you see if, you, you know, you can hear something or you can just, you know, kind of roll your eyes or something, but if you're seeing them do that, it makes an impact and you'll know who not to ask for such certain things. Does that make, you know, something like that. Yep. Um, yep. So I think just having those family meetings is a big, big deal and it brings everybody on board and then what you're doing with that is you're pulling them into the whole care plan of mom or dad. Usually it's mom or dad. Um, and, and what do we need to do as a family? What kind of thing could you make? You know, I don't care that you live 600 miles away. Could you make phone calls? Could you find out this information? We all have Internet access or we can text or whatever we can do with each other. And that's so important um, to come together as a family, even Maybe this one over here can contribute financially for mom or dad's daycare program, um, or maybe they can. Um, maybe they can't contribute financially, but like I said, they can do some of the care needs, and then or they can find the home health agency that can provide some of this care, or they can check with the VA to, and get the paperwork together. That's a huge deal. Getting all this legal and financial stuff um, into a, a semblance of order, if you will, can be a huge, huge task for for somebody who, who, and especially our mom and dads who have been private and they haven't shared a lot of that information. And we're finding out family secrets that are amazing. <laughs> oh, I'm <yeah>. being bad. <laughs> but it's true. You know, dad was married before. What? <laughs> you know, we didn't know that. <laughs> You know, there's there's a lot of different things that could be happening here. So, um, yeah, I had my actually one of my cousins. They found that out about about their dad. They had no nobody in the family knew he had been married before. You know, so um, no kids, but he had been married before. So you never know what you're going to find. You know. Yeah. So. Well, and that's mm-hmm. very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I like the idea of. You know, Skype or or people don't Skype mm-hmm. FaceTiming on their right. on their phones. I mean, it's just it's, right. it 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 is important to see the nonverbals. And so many times, you know, we're we're texting now, and we don't know mm-hmm. how people are taking our words because our words That's can right. play out a lot of different ways. And so right. it's I, I think it's very important. And and you know, that's something that you learn in working with dementia is. Um, how much communication is really nonverbal and mm-hmm. how you're mm-hmm. still able to interact with people and know their needs um, because you're paying attention in a different in a different fashion. 
Um, That's right. You know, we and we just take it for granted so much. It's just it's mm-hmm. it's kind of um it kind of amazes me. Um mm-hmm. well this has been fascinating. You're just loaded oh. with information. Oh. <laughs> I ain't done. <laughs> I, I, I have a lot more to offer but I know I know we don't have a lot of time, so um but you know, I I'm more than happy to um um, talk to you about whatever, and I mean, you know, we, you know, we, we just are touching on some things, you know. So um, I, I just enjoyed this hour so much, Lori. I can't tell you. Thank you. Well, it's been very fun. You know, one of the things people struggle with is how to pay for things. Do you? Can you touch on, you know, mm-hmm. Medicare and Medicaid and right? All those wonderful um, terms? Yeah, well, that's why I recommend that they go and see an elder law attorney, and it has to be elder law. There are elder law attorneys all over the country. Again, it's a specialized law type, and people get in trouble. I just wrote a little blurb in my uh, monthly newsletter about um, how people are getting into trouble because they're confusing tax laws like the IRS tax tax laws and Medicaid rules, and they're making um, uninformed financial decisions based on tax laws, like gifting, like if they're gifting five or $10,000 a year to a family member, well, that disqualifies them for a certain period under Medicaid rules, most of the uh, here in Florida anyway. I don't know about uh, other places, but, but it probably does. So, you know, you have to know the laws, and, and they're going to find hidden, possibly hidden dollars that you didn't know you could use or access or, or were, would be available to you based on your circumstances um, for for adult daycare programs or, um, you know, respite care, di- different home care, different things that might have to be done in the future for your loved one. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we we didn't even talk about the younger ones are really the ones that I, th- I see struggling. And I mean younger patients. Um, patients mm-hmm. in their 30, 30s, 40s, 50s, um, because a lot of them haven't worked enough to get on disability. They have to go on to SSI um, because they haven't worked 40 quarters. It's no fault of their own. They just haven't been able to do that to get on to full Social Security disability, um, especially my Huntington's patients. That was another whole group that couldn't do it. Um, you know, they mostly were on SSI, which which just doesn't give the benefits. But you know, what do you do? But the you know, a lot of the people. Um, this is coming up to this time of year now, and and Medicare Advantage plans. I call them disadvantage plans because unless you know what's going to be covered, who's going to cover it, where can you go if you break a hip, can you go to, um, you know, uh, angel care uh, nursing home down the street from you, or do you have to go to XYZ facility three towns over, Um, because that's the only company that has a, a, a contract with your Medicare Advantage plan. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of issues with those that we see every single year. People get in trouble. How much are your co-pays every day? My friend is right now in a rehab. She, Her co-pays, she's 67 years old, okay? 
she is on a Medicare Advantage program. Her co-pays were over $300 per day for the rehab because it was Woo. that's what yeah. So she's going into medical bankruptcy. So you have to know and they won't a lot of times not only will they not tell you but they don't even know because the program changes so often. I had another lady who was on um on a on a I can't remember the name of the drug, but she was on some drug and she had to go like every two weeks to her doctor at a big clinic. It was a big medical clinic. And she had been doing this for 10 years. And all of a sudden, in July, this isn't even in within, you know, the, the January to, to December, um, you know, uh, program. This is in the middle of July. And the, pro, and, and the contract with the Medicare Advantage just decided to change out the whole terms of the contract, and they dropped that entire clinic. So now people that have been going there for 10 years could no longer see those doctors, and they had to scramble to find all new doctors that were going to understand this. I think it was the Coumadin Clinic. That's what it was. And they had a – and it was like, really? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, wow. I really – but yeah, so we really have to be careful with – and Medicare does not pay for long-term care. It may pay for 30 days or so if you have to go in for rehab, but if you have to go in under Alzheimer's, mm-mm, uh-uh, no, uh-uh. <laughs> not know? happening. And and not happening. And and the average care in 2010 for nursing home um, here in Florida was about seventy-five thousand a year. So how many average families can afford that? You know. So that's why I say it's really important to see that elder law attorney and get your ducks in a row um, before you have to go in at blindsided. You know, mm-hmm. so, well, so it, that's my it message. Is important. You know, my my mom just yeah. passed away in February, mm-hmm. and my parents mm-hmm. had put their home in a life estate. It was a cabin. And, you know, I was in real estate, and real estate law is that a life estate, um, you know, disintegrates once somebody dies. Right. But, right. but, not, but not according to the county here. And so my parents um, had done their their paperwork enough in advance, but if it would have been two years later, um, that wouldn't have made any difference at all because the county would have fought for it. And so it was really interesting because I I mean I always thought laws worked together, not being (laughs) opposing, and I was I was shocked at that. I was like, really. How can that? How can one override right. the other without the other one being changed? You know, and people being right. notified. I, I was just, I was kind of <laughs> dumbfounded on that. But I, I was like, really? You know? But they, but yeah. there, the county's equation had her living to 130, and she oh. inherited. I mean, it was just like, really? Point out one person who's lived to 130, and it's going to be my mom. Oh. And, you know. Oh. <laughs> I know we're getting very short. I just want to I want to say thank you so much again and I want to say why do I have flamingos on on everything I do, especially the cover of my book. And the reason uh-huh. is because fl- flamingos um you almost always see them standing on one foot. And the reason they stand on one foot is to conserve their energy. So I want all of your caregivers to start conserving their energy because they're going to need it. And that's what a flamingo does. So I'm a pink flamingo. I can't help it. (laughs) Oh, okay. Just letting you 
you know. Well, what is the best way for people to be able to contact mm-hmm. you? Um, um, our website is probably good, and and they can certainly email me. I prefer the calls not to come in um, because it just gets crazy with different time zones, and we're we're out doing groups so often and training. So um, I prefer if they if they want to email me, it's Dr. Karen D R K A R E N at bookofhope.us like United States mm-hmm. or or our website is um, dementiacaregiverresources.org Okay, wonderful. Well, I mm-hmm. thank you so much for uh, spending this hour with us. It's really been a, a privilege to talk with you. You are loaded with information, and I would encourage people to go um, pick up the book, The Dementia Caregiver's Little Book of Hope. Now, is this on Amazon, or do they just get this yes, through your Yes, it is on website? Amazon. It is okay. on Amazon, but it's also, and we have a Kindle version there, um, and also they um, they can certainly order it through our website. So. So um, they can do it any way they want, and we'll we'll enclose some other information. Like we have a monthly newsletter. If they want to get on that, we're more than happy to um, to add them to our e list, and and that's a free service. So you know, there, there's absolutely. I put out a monthly newsletter, and I just put one out, and I have a very couple of very interesting things. I'll send it to you, and then you can you know put it out there however you need to. Okay. Okay. Sounds like a plan. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. I appreciate it, Dr. Truman. You're welcome, Lori. Okay, thanks. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye now. Um, Wanted to just uh, let people know that we can do kind of an open mic if there's anybody out there that has any questions or comments. You can type into the chat box or you can call in live to the show at 714-364-4757. Again, that's 714-364-4757. If you didn't catch our last radio show, Keeping Safe in Today's World, about Project Lifesaver, it was a two-hour special. It was pretty amazing. I I would highly encourage you to go to our archives and listen to that show. So um, Project Lifesaver is really doing some cool things, and uh, it's it's an incredible resource and a great way to uh, keep your loved one with dementia safe. Um, I also wanted to um, just highlight our last Dementia Chats uh, recording that was done on the 23rd. We discussed what makes a website dementia-friendly. Um, and again, the people, uh, our experts uh, talking about that have dementia. So they gave some good tips out for that. And then we touched on service dogs as well. Our next Dementia Chats is regularly scheduled for the 14th. And I'm not sure, um, I know the 14th won't work due to my travel schedule. Uh, so I'm trying to get a hold of our team to coordinate either another date to do that. Um, or we just might do a replay, but I will keep you posted on that. If you um, have a product, service, or tool that uh, could help somebody who's dealing with dementia, either someone who's diagnosed or caring for them, I would recommend that you um, become part of our resource directory. It's free. 
I'd be glad to send you uh, information, uh, step-by-step instructions if you'd like to do that. Otherwise, you can uh, go up to um, partnering options, um, which is a big gold button in the header of our Alzheimer's Speaks um, website, and just uh, you know, you can enter um, the resource directory, but you'll have to become a member first, and then from then forward, you can just go through members only on that, but it's a, it's a very simple process, or just click on the contact button and email me um, saying that you'd like directions on how to do that. So um, on the blog here, we had some information about proof the public wants to know about memory screenings. A lot of people are apprehensive of doing memory screenings, and there's a nice article on that. Um, I also did an article called Loss Repeated, and um, this last week was a little hard on us. On Friday, we lost our fam- one of our family pets, and... Um, it's you know with losing my mom earlier this year and then with uh losing Mr. Mario it was very very tough on the on the family and just uh noted some of the similarities and some of the differences between the the two but the importance of of each passing and i think it's uh important to um process that that grief so if you know of a pet lover, it might be one of those um, to just pass along uh, to them in in remembrance. Um, our intern, Michelle, did an article called A Place of Comfort. And then we also had an article um, done by um, the Alzheimer's um, Research and Prevention Foundation. And theirs was on health food and talked about smaller portions and just um, was really about, um, you know, eating, eating well. And it was a wonderful, wonderful article, um, one that I think that you will definitely um, appreciate um, reading. And let's see, I think, um, oh, I also... um, We'll be posting some more videos of Greg O'Brien, who is a journalist who has been diagnosed with dementia. And um, he there was a, uh, a radio, or not a radio, but a TV uh, uh, news uh, channel on Channel 5 that did four different episodes on him. And they're, they're all quite, quite interesting. So I think it's something that you'll really, really enjoy. Uh, last, again, if you want to be part of the Purple Angel Project, um, please go to alzheimerspeaks.com and then go to our um, About page where you will be able to find information on the Purple Angel. Um, it's easy to partake in and, uh, and it's free. If you're looking for an Alzheimer's Association anywhere in the world, take uh, take a look at Alzheimer's Disease International they will be able to not only locate the closest uh, association to you, but they will also be able to give you a global um, uh, perspective on things. Uh, HealthStar Home Health, if you're in Minnesota or New Mexico, they just do an absolutely fabulous, fabulous job with their Alzheimer's Whisper program. Not only are their staff well-trained, but they also help train the families that they're working with. For um, 
that holistic approach, again, check out Alzheimer's Research and Prevention Foundation. And if you're dealing with Lewy body, frontal temporal uh, dementia, or aphasia, make sure to check out those national associations as well. And look forward to the holiday uh, CD by Alzheimer's Music Connect. It's going to be, uh, it's pretty fabulous, and I will keep you posted on that in the new, near future. So in the meantime, um, it looks like we don't have anybody who has any questions or comments. So I'm just going to go ahead and end the program. You guys have a wonderful week, and we'll talk soon. Bye now. Hi, this is Suzanne Newman, host of the Answers for Elders podcast and radio show. We are the North Star that guides you through the complicated journey of senior care with trusted experts in money, law, living solutions, and more. So join us on this station, your favorite podcast channel, or just go to AnswersForElders.com. Meet the Wayshowers who will help your journey a lot easier.